Hey kids, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and this month we are talking with Christina D'Almeida. She penned two articles for On Stage Blog, Stage Manager 101, Who We Are and Why We're Important, and the subsequent Taking Blocking Notes. I know from my own long and illustrious theater career that producing a show without the services of a good stage manager is not advisable on any level. Stage managers are key, not just for getting the show to opening night without major disasters, but making sure that everything is where it needs to be when it needs to be there and that everything else happens when it should and the way it should. You wrote this article for Onstage Blog, and uh, the article is uh, the article is called Stage Manager 101, Who We Are and Why We're Important, which seems, I mean, to at least you and I, uh, it's like a complete no-brainer of a question. But, I mean, for the sake of those in the audience who wonder what it is stage managers are and do, tell me, why are stage managers important? And then, you know, for the next hour and a half, we can list their duties. So I think there's always those two forms of theater. Like if you're working in community theater, um, I think the stage manager's duties really vary. Sometimes you really don't even have a stage manager. Um, but in the more professional areas of areas of theater, you have to have a stage manager. That's just how it goes. Um, I think the roles really kind of vary. I try to do this in the article. I always try to split the duties between first you have your rehearsal period and then everything that entails. And then you have the performance period. And that's something, you know, totally different. But I think in a nutshell, um, and then again, we could like talk about it in depth too, but I think in a nutshell, it's really just being there for the director, having his back, keeping him organized or her, um, him or her, um, keeping them organized to the point where they don't have to worry about all that extra paperwork. Um, it's, it's as simple as making contact sheets, you know, uh, coordinating the schedule, doing a calendar, breaking down, you know, what we're going to do for each rehearsal. You know, it's as simple as that, but it's also taking down blocking notes. If the director ever has a question, say he blocks this whole scene and he totally forgot what he did for the blocking, he can I've bounce. I've never done that. <laughs> and then he can bounce it back off of you and say, oh yeah, what did we do there? And then you have it all written down. Um, so it's really... When I go into a production, that's really what I, I try to do. I'm I'm always there for the director. I always, always have their back, even when I disagree with them. And that's happened many, many times. So what happens then? Let's say you definitely let's say you do disagree with a director. I mean, of course, depending upon the director, whether or not they're open to discussion, let's say they are. What generally happens then? I let them say what they have to say. I, I think a lot of times it depends on the personality of the director yeah. in the way yeah. that they could be a little this way or no way or mm -hmm. whatever. I think I just try to let them say what they have to say, try to understand their point of view with whatever the subject of it is, and then kind of try to offer my suggestion and say, hey, this might work better, but, you know, if... We, we could do it your way, too. Just be understanding. But, yeah, that's happened many, many times. And, you know, I've worked on shows where the entire cast almost, like, 
is not against the director, but, you know, they don't agree with a lot of the stuff they're doing. And even in those moments, I still have the director's back because, you know, I'm not there to make friends with the cast. I'm, you know, we're there to get the show on its feet. So I just, that that's my main thing. Another thing I always tell myself um, <clears throat> in the beginning stages of when I'm going, uh, beginning to work on a production, never, never, never get involved in any artistic decisions. That's like my biggest rule because, you know, you're not the director, you're the stage manager. So I always feel the stage manager is there to execute the director's artistic ideas and decisions. Right. So the stage manager is the technical end of it. So the director can say, Hey, I want this, this, and that. And the stage manager will say, okay, so we have to do this, this, and that, but you know, in a technical way, we can make it happen this way, or we can do this. Yeah, it's it's a fine line to walk. I've and those very right. few times, I have to say, very few times where it was my way or the highway, and I found that in the former case, we generally have a much better show when it's an open uh, an open rehearsal, right? And right. the lines of communication are there because. Not everybody finds the answers to every problem. And having somebody who's sharp by your side, who's seeing what's going on, it, it, I've always, almost always seen it help as a, uh, you know, to have some, another pair of eyes and another sense of observance there. You're a stage manager. I'm hiring you to do my show. During, let's say, it's semi-professional. We're a little bit above community theater. Not that I don't like community theater. I love community theater. Yeah, I do too. I think they do great things. I oh, just yeah. think that, I think that the roles, you know, kind of vary. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a stage manager description and community theater is very, very different than you know professional and yep. more so, more so in the performance period. And, and not to cut you off because I, I know you have a no, 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 keep going, keep going. Um. You know, I think like for the rehearsal period, I I think it's generally the same um, in community theater and professional theater. I think where it really, really differs is when, you know, it's the performances because, you know, all the productions I've worked on, I've called, I've called the shows, you know, I've called the the cues and, and everything. And in community theater, a lot of times you'll see the stage manager backstage um, during shows like coordinating props and doing that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, that's fine. Um, and I've definitely done some of that, but then I have to, you know, go in the booth and call the show, you know, I'm not backstage the whole time. So, you know, there's a lot of different areas. Not everyone understands or not everyone thinks it's a huge deal. Like, I don't think people have like strong opinions on it. I think, you know, I've never really heard anyone say, oh, well, you know, um, the stage manager has to call the show. You know, I I think it just varies on the company you work for. Um, But the industry... situations where the stage manager doesn't call the show? I'm curious, because every time I've worked, the stage manager has called the show. Um, I think you see it more so in, like, high school level and... Not I won't say college because I think theater um, programs in college really try to, you know, 
promote and and teach students the real you know the the industry standard because if you go to broad stage manager calls the show that's how it is um but I, i think high school level and i think some community levels that's how it goes i've definitely talked to friends of mine who have stage managed community theater and they've been backstage and the light board op and the soundboard op will take the cues like on their own they have a you know having a stage manager they're calling all that it just keeps it organized and everything let's clarify this just a little bit because i'm sure there's a few people out there who are who have never called a show who have never worked as a stage manager what's entailed in calling a show what do you need and what do you actually do that's an awesome question because so many people ask me that they're like, what do you mean? Like call the show, the lighting designer will come in. The sound designer will come in. They do their work. The lighting designer will design the show and and he'll make his lighting cues in his script as to where he wants them to happen. So that's like blackouts, fade outs, lighting changes during scenes, any kind of lighting change. There's a cue for it. He'll write it in his script, you know, as to where he wants it to happen. Same thing with sound design, although I think sound design is not as complex and in-depth as he or she will write their cues in the script. And then at some point, I've experienced, like, lighting designers giving me their cues, like, the night before opening night. Or, you know, (laughs) opening night. (laughs) But it really should be like early on, like in the beginning of tech, like maybe one to two days. So I have time to work on it. But, you know, once they give me those cues, I never call a show off of the lighting designer script, meaning their script with the cues. I don't off their cues. I transpose it because I have my own way of writing it. Um, into my script so that way I could just literally open the book and just be able to call it and there's no problems and if I were to let's say I was sick or something you know I, I would leave the book there and another stage manager can come in and be able to call it from my book no problem because I, I try to write it in a way that anyone could understand it you just call the cues as to, you know, to where they happen. So as the uh, show's going along, yeah. as the show's going, you know, like Q1, go, like Q2, go. But you also have to have a, you have to know, you know, what you're calling. Like, I like to know, like, for example, like Q30, if that's a blackout, I want to know it's a blackout, you know, like yeah. I have to know what I'm calling. I've had sound, soundboard ops take those cues like on their own, if there's like four or five cues in the show, um, if there's a lot of sound cues, I'll call them. But for me, like lighting is the biggest thing. What's the most amount of cues you've ever had to call for a show? Ooh. Mm, yeah, that's a toughie. Like 150, I'd say. I did this play in college, Polaroid Stories. I don't know if you're, or if you're familiar, familiar with it. With- and it was, cr- it was crazy, crazy, crazy. Like, uh lighting cues and sound cues like happening together you know like just thou- you know hundreds and hundreds of cues and tons of lighting cues you know tons of sound cues, like just a lot happening there was never like a point in the script where i could take a deep breath like there was never a break it just kept going and going and going so i'd say like 150 I don't even know if that's considered a lot, but I would consider it a lot. I I SM'd for uh, Arthur Copet's show Wings, which is 
pretty much queue after queue after queue after queue, and I think I counted up close to about 150. I think my favorite queue call of all time was cue the biplane. <laughs> we had a miniature biplane in the show, and I just loved waiting to that point because I could say, cue the biplane. That's but awesome. It's That was completely awesome, yeah. Um, but seriously, some of these shows are unbelievably cue heavy. According to your designers, Very. sound designers, lighting designers, we're going to change the light here to match the mood there. We're going to, you know, scene changes and everything. It, it can, yeah, it can become a road and, race. Yep, and and absolutely. And I think generally, for example, I just did Anything Goes at the current theater I'm working at, Center Stage Theater, mm-hmm. and all of the basic cues, like just basic standard cues, as in like, you know, fade in, blackout here, button here, you know, it came to about like 87, I, I want to say 87 cues, you know, when we really got deeper into tech and, you know, the director says, well, I'd like this here and let's add a cue there and let's do this light change here, light change here. It went to maybe like one, 120, I want to say. So, I mean, mm. you know, you could write in your basic cues, but then when you kind of add all that other stuff into it and other light chain. So I'd say like 120, 120 cues. That's enough. Um, yeah. That's yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned earlier well, industry standard, and I want to get to that now. Um, by way of Center Stage Theater, which, as you say, you're now working, you also mentioned in your articles that you want to want to teach a course in stage management, highlighted as you know, industry standard. A, what is industry standard and b how would you teach this course so i think industry standard is we use that term a lot i think we kind of use it loosely my definition of it is basically setting the students up so they're prepared if they were to ever go you know into an audition in like New York, Broadway, or so, you know, because there's a, a, a standard there, like for auditions. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 36 bars of music, you know, knowing what to expect and knowing that you're going to have a dance audition right after the singing portion. And again, it goes back to what we were saying with stage management, you know, if they're going for like a technical position, just know like what is generally expected of a stage manager expect to call the show expect to do this this and that and i think there's a general standard there that all stage managers you know should know and that's what we try to teach we try to promote professional theater Uh, well i I think a large part of this comes down to who's going to pay for the theater and Right. That's a very difficult thing to get funding for in the best of times. They have, you know, the larger theaters have people who work round the clock just to write grants and to get funding and to keep mm-hmm. the subscription base going. It's a constant yes. battle to keep the patient alive. Community yes. theater is a lot more relaxed and it's it's a great chance. I mean, I love it. Most to- of the time. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. It's totally. for the folks who can't get in. Or don't want to be, you know, professional actors, directors, stage managers, producers, uh, to actually do this and to live out their dreams by doing a particular role or doing a particular job on stage. 
without any of the uh, major, you know, there is business to this because you have to keep those theaters open too, but it's in a much more free form and I'd say less restrictive environment in most cases. Right. Uh, definitely. And, you know, even, you know, let's say we're teaching them like, I, I hate to keep saying the, uh, the professional way, but well, you know, there's a professional way and there's an amateur way. And if you're going if you're gonna play <laughs> with the professionals, uh, you have to know how to be what a professional place is going to expect you to be. And if and if you say professional theater, you, you know, it's not for you. Like you go in and you're like, eh, that's not for me. And you go to community theater, at least you still know, you know, what it takes in, prof- you know, you're just going like, down, not down a step, but if you decide to go just into community theater, at least you're still aware of, you're informed uh, that there's another area and, sure. you know, you have all the tools that you need for, you know, whether you want to do community or professional, at least you're familiar with it all. So what kind of person becomes a stage manager? Because I already know the kind of people who become actors and I definitely know the kind of people who become directors. A stage stage manager is a completely different kind of being on this planet. Uh, And the good ones are, they're they're like diamonds in in a sea of shale. But uh, (laughs) what, I mean, who do you have to be to want to put yourself through this? You have to... B, and I think this is the same for directors and actors, um, you, you have to love it. You have to really, really be in love with it. Literally, like, having an, a, an affair with theater. That's how I, that's how I feel. I, I walk into work, you know, and I, it doesn't feel like work to me. Like, I, there's times where I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, my God, like, I, this is like paradise to me. Like, you know, everyone should have this experience where you absolutely love what you do. And, you know, I always say, like, being a stage manager um, and I think even a director and, you know, some other areas in theater, it's not a common profession in the way that like let's say like one day I'm I'm working retail and I lose my job or whatever you know I'm not going to wake up the next morning and say oh my god I got to get a job like I better go and be a stage manager you know like I think people, <laughs> people who are in you know stage management are in it because they love it it's, it's a very specific job and I think Theater is a very specific area as well. It's not as common as like working retail or being a doctor or being, you know, like theater, if you're in it, it's because you love it. You know, you know, I've never really met a person who works in theater and they're like, oh, I hate this. I'm just doing this to pay my bills. No, like, you know, you have to really, really be in love with it. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Theater is not for the, uh, <laughs> the faint of heart. Yeah, um, totally. And so that's like from an emotional point of view, I guess, from a more like technical point of view, you know. What kind of skills do you need for this? uh, Well, first things first, organizational skills. If you're not organized, you're not going to make it. I mean, it's just you have to be. Um, 
you know, organizational skills, um, just being as efficient as possible, um, not being like attitude wise, not being mean, but being assertive. You have to be assertive if you don't have like that voice within yourself to, you know, kind of speak what you have to or get the actors on track or whatever it is you have to do, you know, I think you're going to struggle a little bit. Um, Being understanding, I think, to all departments, because I always kind of see a stage manager as like um, they are the middle part like the core, the messenger between all the other departments. Um, you know, the, I'm like the communication between the sound designer and the director when they're not able to have a meeting. And, you know, that's like, um, that's one thing I forgot to mention, rehearsal reports. That's mm. something I send out every, not to get off track, but that's something I send out, you know, every single night. I never, ever miss a night with rehearsal reports. But that's my way of keeping, you know, everyone in the loop, you know, it gets sent out after every rehearsal, every department is listed. And that's like the core way of knowing everyone knowing what happened at rehearsal, you know, so everyone's on the same page. So I kind of view a stage manager as like not the head of all that but just just the core like you know they're the messenger in a lot of ways um because i think we had to diagram all of the different parts into i don't know it's not not a spreadsheet or a flowchart one of those little web design diagrammy things um the two centerpieces would probably be the script and the stage manager because they seem to be the pieces that reach out to all of the other aspects. Right. In at least the traffic pattern. Right. Totally. Definitely. And this is a quick, funny story um, about rehearsal reports. I, I got hired a couple of years ago to stage manage uh, a show. And um, I, you know, basically said, you know, just so you know, I'll be sending rehearsal reports out every night, you know, FYI, that's what I do, da da da. And they were like, rehearsal reports. Mm. What do you mean? And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, they're going, I'm, you know, whether you know what they are or not, whatever, but that's how I work. I think they're very, very important. I think they need to be sent out every night. It's just how. I don't know. It's just I've never done a show without that. I, I agree um, with you on this. That's one of the more critical things uh, yeah. that a stage manager needs to do. Um, but also, even with that said, it's just, you know, it's a very important aspect um, of stage management. But um, it's not like. I think sometimes people will work on a show or whatever, and they'll just send rehearsal reports out every night and that's it. And that's what they call stage management. Mm -hmm. No, (laughs) you don't just, it's not just you send out rehearsal reports. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot more to it, but so I think going back to your question, I think organizational skills, being efficient as possible, being understanding, but also being assertive and you have to have to love it. And also be open to 
all kinds of shows, you know? Um, I know, like, people, we, we all have our least favorites. I know people who won't do Gilbert and Sullivan or people who won't even touch Shakespeare. I'm not like that. I do I do it all. I think it's really, really important when, you know, people are looking at your resume and they're like, oh, wow, she did this and she did that. And, you know, yeah. just be as diverse as possible. Don't be picky because um, I think it's kind of hard at least in Connecticut, to find stage management jobs. And I think it's very hard for actors right now as well. I think theater, I don't want to say it's dying in a way, but it's just, it's very hard right now, I think, to find like consistent work. I think it's a lot of like gigs. You know, you get a gig here and then, you know, that's it. You don't have anything for a couple months and then you have another gig. Mm -hmm. So my biggest piece of advice to people is just do it all. Get as much experience as you need because, and you know what? It makes great memories. 50 years from now, you can say, oh yeah, this one time I did, uh, you know, Julius Caesar and this happened and, you know, just, just do it all. I I agree with you a thousand percent on that. Yeah. It's, it's more fun than almost anything else. I've yeah. ever done. Uh, I want to. I want to kick back to something you mentioned earlier, because you were talking about speaking to the lighting designer and speaking to the set designer and the sound designer and the director. And mm-hmm. I've got a question written down here, which I think you almost answered for me, but I just want to cover it. How many theater <laughs> languages does a stage manager need to speak? Because it seems to me, if you're going to communicate with each of these people, you need to know how to speak to them. Right. Lighting has its own terms. Um, Set design has its own terms. Um, So does sound design. I think the biggest one is probably lighting. Um, And and it's so funny you ask that because I go through that in my mind all the time when I'm talking to lighting designers or I'm listening to a lighting designer talk. Sometimes they say things, and I'll be quite honest, because I'm still very young in my career right now, they'll say things that I don't know. I I don't know. So I just Google it. You know, that does happen. So, you know, I I can't know everything, but hopefully at some point I'll know almost everything. But I think lighting is probably the biggest one. Um, Just knowing... um, They'll, you know, they'll talk about like different lighting effects or different lights itself, like at actual, you know, lights and and uh, just knowing um, there's just basic terms that I think, you know, you have to know, like what's a gobo, you know, or what's, uh, you know, what is, you know, the psych or the scrim or, you know, just knowing those basic things. I think that's really important. Um, being familiar with the lighting board itself. Um, I think a stage manager should know exactly how to be able to work it if need be. Um, same thing with the soundboard. Um, being able to like handle mics and, you know, if, if the designer's talking to you about uh, so-and-so's mic pack or whatever is that, you know, just knowing, you know, what all of that means. Um I think for set design, you kind of have to talk like construction in a way 
um, at least when they're building the set. Yeah. You know, um, I really don't get too involved in the design stuff. To me, that's not my like set design and same thing with lighting design, but more so with the set. I just let them do their thing. But if I have questions with like uh, safety or something like that, you know, I'll speak up or just making sure things are going on track. Um, if things are going kind of slow, you know, I'll say something. Um, and also making sure that it's exactly what the set designer wants and what the director wants. I can't even tell you how many times I've walked in and I've looked at whatever they did for the day, you know, and they'll be like, Oh, that doesn't look quite right. And then I'll get the director in there and I'll say, are you sure that's what you want? Or is that what you want? And then the director will be like, no, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, things, yeah. so if things are like looking kind of funny, I'll, you know, say something, yeah. but yes, I think every department does have its own language and I, you know, it has its own terms and yeah, you have yeah. to know those terms or else that's, you're going to look like an idiot. That's a lot of different languages to have to know how to communicate. Yes. So, okay. One more question, then I'll let you go. Okay. In your long and amazingly wonderful career as a stage manager, you must have had your highs and lows. Uh, but I want to talk about your best, well, the show went on anyway, despite moment. Uh-huh. You got one of those? Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I love the way you said absolutely. Absolutely. Well, several, but I will tell you uh, the most recent and most intense one that I've, I've had. Um, so we were doing Anything Goes. And um, right now with musicals, um, at least in this area, I don't know if it has to do with the area we're in, but we kind of we've been not really using a live band as much because it's been very hard to find like musicians that are up to par, um, and, and available and, you know, and, and it's always hard for actors to like adjust to, you know, the band when they've been using rehearsal tracks for the whole time. So, so we've been using performance tracks so, you know, and, and I, I don't really even miss having like a full orchestra. I think having the tracks kind of give us that full, you know, instrumentation that we, you know, that we want and it's loud enough and everything. But anyways, um, so we were approaching the finale of uh, the show. And I think what happened is the board kind of got overheated uh, That's what I like happened. The volume, you know, because we had the mics on the uh, on that board as well. So the board app was kind of adjusting, you know, everyone's mics, and then he was kind of uh, adjusting the volume for the music. So I think it kind of got overheated. We literally almost made it to the end of the show. We we would have had a perfect uh, show, uh, for like I want to say six or seven seconds no well first before i even get to that point we heard this loud screech That's i think it was, no i think it was uh someone's mic it, it sounded like and then the whole board literally shut down like died 
<laughs> or like in, in the middle of a song for, I want to say six to seven seconds. And in those six to seven seconds, my heart literally st- stopped because what could you do? I mean, like the, the music stopped, you know, the, obviously they stopped singing because nobody knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the board op put everyone's volume down, all the mics went down and then it kind of miraculously went on again. And, you know, we put the volume back up and they kind of picked up where the music had left off, but it was a moment of like silence, yeah. like nothing, nothing like you could hear, you know, it was just, it was the most terrifying, I think, experience I've ever, ever had. Like, it was silent. Like, nothing. Yeah. Because, you know, everyone's like, whoa, like, what happened? Oh the God. actors What stopped. do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Like, awful. Awful. Uh, <laughs> you have my deepest sympathies. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I think um, the second worst thing that can happen that's probably like equal to that is leaving someone in like a blackout or something mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's lights going out but um, been there yeah. done that yeah <laughs> yes uh that's a story for another <laughs> another long yeah, yeah. night well christina <laughs> dalmeida thank you so very much for talking with us for um the past 40 some odd minutes thank you for being here thank you so much Hey kids, thanks for listening to On Stage, Off Stage. On Stage, Off Stage is produced monthly, and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on iTunes. If you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at On Off Stage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or work in a part of theater we haven't covered yet or know of someone in the theater world, Who'd make some great chat? Please send us a note at info at onstageoffstage.org. Onstage Offstage believes in and advocates for a world where all people are free to live their lives as they wish, in peace and without fear. We believe in universal respect, diversity, and equality in all areas of life for all people, no matter what their nationality, race, religion, age, sexual status, or gender. Onstage Offstage will never promote or endorse those who seek to diminish others because of who they are. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again, and happy theatering to all of you. (laughs) 